section ten of national geographic magazine volume two numbers one and two this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. The Rivers of Northern New Jersey, Part Three, by William Morris Davis. The lesson of greatest importance in this study lies, to my mind, in the gradual development of accordant subsequent streams in a region where the unchanged superimposed drainage would show no such accordance similar adjustment of subsequent streams to structural features may characterize drainage systems that were originally antecedent and with this principle in mind i have recently read over with renewed interest powell's classic study of the green river where it crosses the uinta mountains the green river and the smaller streams of its lateral canyons and valleys are all regarded as antecedent let us examine the arguments on which this conclusion rests the green river itself rises many miles north of the uinta range traverses a relatively low basin before reaching the flank of the mountains and then instead of turning away it boldly enters the great uplift and trenches it from side to side in a profound canyon flowing out to the southwest on its way to the colorado there is relatively low ground at the eastern end of the range several thousand feet lower than the summits of the range on either side of the green river canyon and many thousand feet lower than the restored crest of the great uplift but the river does not follow this open roundabout course powell says that the river cut through instead of running around the great obstruction because it had the right of way it was running ere the mountains were formed had the mountain fold been formed suddenly it would have turned the river around it to the east but the emergence of the fold above the general surface of the country was little or no faster than the progress of the corrasion of the channel the river preserved its level but the mountains were lifted up the river was the saw which cut the mountains in two if this interpretation is correct the green river would be the type of a perfect antecedent stream but it appears to me that the case is probably overstated in that respect perhaps it would have been more deliberately stated in a later volume if powell's intention of describing more fully the three chief kinds of drainage of the region had been carried out not having seen the region my comments may have little value but the context of powell's report the description of the immense series of lacustrine beds over a mile thick north of the mountains and the eastward deflection of the river where it traverses the mountains all seem to me to indicate that the green was by no means continuously successful in maintaining its antecedent course across the uplift it is by no means a typical antecedent river the great series of lacustrine beds upstream from the canyon with conglomerates where they rest on the northern flank of the mountains are fully recognized in the report and must mean that the upper portion of the river was for a time shut back 
were ponded. During part of this time, there may have been no overflow across the growing mountains, for the lower lacustrine beds contain fossils indicative of brackish water. The intermittent growth of the mountains and the repeated return of lacustrine conditions, with gradually freshening water, is indicated by the strong unconformities that occur at various points in the lacustrine beds, and by the change in the fossil fauna. It must be conceded from this that the upper portion of the Green River was repeatedly ponded back by mountain growth across its middle course. We therefore have not now any close indication of its pre-lacustrine course above the mountains. The ancient, or pre-Uinta, upper portion of the river was extinguished by the lacustrine sediments, and to that extent the Green River departs from the perfect antecedent type. In the second place, if the original Green River existed upon the upper surface of the beds that were at a subsequent date raised to form the Uinta uplift, it does not appear to be clearly proved that its course at that early time was closely coincident with its present course in the mountainous area. The first deformations of the mountain growth may have temporarily interrupted its flow, as is made likely by the lacustrine deposits already referred to, and when the rise in the level of the waters of the lake overtook the uplift, probably at a time of slower mountain growth than that which first formed the lake, the point of overflow may have been many miles to one side of its previous drowned-out course. The moderate elevation of the eastern end of the range, where it connects with the Yampa Plateau, may possibly have then been a little higher than a point farther west, where the overflow was consequently located. This is perhaps hardly as probable as the postulates involved in arguing a truly antecedent course for the river, but its impossibility is not as strictly proved as would be necessary before a definite conclusion as to the continuous persistence of an antecedent river could be finally accepted such continuity of action must be rare and should be rigorously demonstrated if possible it must moreover be remembered that emmons is of the opinion that the colorado river is not antecedent at all but is superimposed on the eastern portion of the uinta range from a course that it had chosen upon a sheet of horizontal sediments the wyoming conglomerate which he supposes once stretched unconformably all over the previously deeply eroded surface of the uplifted range, where the canyon is now cut. He quotes facts of two kinds in evidence of this. First, the remnants of the Wyoming conglomerate still lie on ridges as high as those that enclose the river canyons. Second, the green and certain of its branches possess tortuous courses out of accord with the structure of the range. It might be added that the wide-open valley of Browns Park, in the middle of the range, is best explained as the product of a pre-Wyoming cycle of erosion by rivers that were extinguished when the Wyoming beds were laid over the mountains. The strongest objection to Emmons' conclusion seems to be the great amount of erosion that it requires erosion sufficient not only to remove the wyoming conglomerate from nearly all its former overlap on the uinta range 
where it had buried and extinguished a pre-Wyoming drainage, but also to carry away a vast extension of the formation at the same height north of the range. It may be best to conclude that both antecedent and superimposed processes must be called on, for one must hesitate before admitting that the Wyoming beds stretched all across the country north and east of the Uinta Range up to the height at which the remnants are now found on the range. It seems more likely that some part of the height of these remnants is due to a relatively local elevation. As far as this is the case, it gives reason for regarding the green as an antecedent river, that is, antecedent to the local elevation of the Wyoming beds, but long posterior to the elevation of the Uinta range. But as the river now flows, according to Emmons theory, on beds lying unconformably below those on which its course was chosen, it is for this reason to be classed as superimposed. The Green River therefore certainly departs from the type of an antecedent stream. The departure is distinct in its repeated ponding, whereby its upper course was broadly and indeterminately shifted from its original location, and is at least possible if not probable in its defeat at the line of uplift and subsequent superimposition on a new line of overflow the mountains wrenched the saw that afterwards cut them in two. A study of the Jura drainage, of which a fuller account may be given at some future time, has led to the provisional conclusion that many of its streams show a combination of consequent and antecedent characteristics. They appear to be consequent on the early stages of the deformation but antecedent to its later growth and for this kind of a stream i have no satisfactory name to suggest at present heim has shown that the royce and the adjacent smaller transverse streams of northern switzerland near lucerne are in part persistent across a series of folds and in part slightly shifted from one course to another and ponded in lake lucerne but unless the other ranges of the alps rise hereafter faster than they have heretofore the geologist of the future will reasonably regard the more mature royce as an essentially successful antecedent river the sutlej and other rivers that escape from the inner valleys of the himalaya by deep gaps in the outer ranges are described by medlicott as antecedent to the elevation of the ranges through which they flow their antecedent origin being argued from the delta-like structure of the upturned beds in their outer gorges, as if the rivers were now cutting down the deformed deltas of an earlier time, but the heavy gravel and sand deposits in their upper valleys indicates that they were nearly if not quite ponded for a time during the deformation. Rivers seem to have the habit of cutting down their upturned deltas bonnie refers to several such examples among the rivers that flow northward from the alps and transect particularly thick portions of the upturned marginal conglomerates and sandstones which he regards as the deltas formed by the same rivers at an earlier time when the mountain folding had not extended outward as far as it does now from the axis of the alps 
i have suspected that the same kind of evidence might be used to indicate that the delaware above trenton between pennsylvania and new jersey is in part of even pre-triassic origin for where it now enters the triassic belt there is a particularly heavy and coarse sandstone sometimes conglomeratic being a large stream it might persist in an anaclinal course through the northwesternward monocline formed by the jurassic uplift of the triassic beds although the smaller streams of the region were then probably extinguished to be replaced by a new system consequent upon the new order of things large rivers more or less persistent in the face of opposing disturbance therefore appeared to be generally recognized but it is noticeable that those quoted from the himalaya and the alps presumably occupied at the time of disturbance well enclosed valleys from which it would have been difficult for them to escape backwards or laterally and that even if successful in the end they for a time suffered defeat or ponding of greater or less extent and duration there is no evidence that the green river was well enclosed immediately north of the uinta mountains at the time of their first elevation hence the likelihood of its temporary ponding or enclosure is increased it is stated by powell that not only the green but even the smaller streams of the uintas are of origin antecedent to the mountains he writes the explanation of the canyons of green river will assist us in understanding the origin of the lateral valleys and canyons the streams were there before the mountains were made that is the streams carved out the valleys and left the mountains the direction of the streams is indisputable evidence that the elevation of the fold was so slow as not to divert the streams although the total amount of elevation was many thousands of feet had the fold been lifted more rapidly than the principal streams could have cut their channels green river would have been turned about it and all the smaller streams and waterways would have been cataclinal colorado river one sixty two this appears to me an unproved conclusion and the evidence of it needs careful attention it appears that there are several streams which descend from the crest of the mountains towards the flanks but instead of running all the way out to the margin of the fold they turn along the strike of a monoclinal valley and thus reach the main river by a short cut such streams are cataclinal for a time then monoclinal it is in reference to these that it is said the streams were there before the mountains were made and again that the drainage was established antecedent to the corrugation or displacement of the beds by faulting and folding one sixty three in approaching this conclusion powell says these streams cannot be consequent for valleys consequent upon the corrugation which was one of the conditions of the origin of the uinta mountains could not have taken the direction observed in this system they would have all been cataclinal as they ran down from the mountains and turned into synclinal valleys at the foot forming a very different system from that which now obtains one sixty six nor can the streams be superimposed for the later sedimentary beds both to the north and south 
were found not to have been continuous over the mountain system but to have been deposited in waters whose shores were limited by the lower reaches of the range one sixty six therefore the discordant streams must be antecedent it appears to me that the possibility of error in this argument lies in the omission of all consideration of the migration of divides and the resulting adjustment of stream courses to deep internal structure but at the time of the exploration of the colorado river this important process in the development of rivers was not understood it now seems only natural that the original consequent cataclinal streams flowing down the slopes of the range from crest to flanks should have permitted the opening of subsequent monoclinal branches on the soft beds that they discovered and that the shifting of divides in these monoclinal valleys should have led to the capture of several cataclinal streams by that particular one of the subsequent branches that grew out from the master stream the green river itself thus it must happen that the streams which head near the summit of the range and running down the flank turn into the green river are in their upper courses cataclinal and when they turn to follow the strike of the rocks into green river are monoclinal one sixty one this being a normal result of river work in cutting down the thousands of feet of rocks of various hardnesses here concerned the smaller streams of the uinta range are therefore certainly not of necessity antecedent to the uinta uplift the probability is that they were originally purely consequent and that at present they are nicely adjusted to the structures that they have discovered i have learned so much from the doctrine of base leveling as presented in major powell's writings that i shall hope to profit by the lesson of the uinta drainage as well that is the possibility that an apparently sound conclusion may be overturned when new processes that bear upon it are discovered it is here said that the drainage of the watchung crescent in new jersey is an example of partial adjustment following a superimposed origin hence the necessity of watching closely for the discovery of new principles in the history of river work that may call for a revision of this conclusion there are two other examples of peculiar accidents in the history of rivers in new jersey to which i wish to call attention both of them in the latest cycle of the development of the state that is in the cycle which has changed the central region from its even base-levelled lowland surface to the past plain as we now see it like the uplift of the schooley highland peneplain the uplift of the central plain in passing from the second to the third cycle was not uniform throughout but was greater in one place than in another in the neighborhood of the lower raritan river a distinct though gentle slope to the northwest is apparent in the unconsumed surface of the past plain but this strong river runs southeastward against the slope it is an anaclinal stream the tilting of the past plain is moderate and its rocks are weak the river is large and strong its anaclinal course is therefore best explained by regarding it as a mild example of an antecedent stream but ambrose's brook 
a small stream to one side of the raritan flows northwest with the gentle slope that was given to the past plain ambrose's brook therefore most likely is not a survivor from the previous cycle but is a new stream consequent on the slight deformation by which the latest cycle here considered was ushered in the manalapan and asin pink are apparently of the same kind see figure one the milston river appears to be intermediate as respects origin between the raritan and ambrose's brook it appears still to lie for the most part in the channel that it occupied before the elevation and tilting of the base-leveled central plain but the tilting of the plain seems to have reversed its direction of flow it rises near the centre of the state and flows northwestward till it joins the raritan near Somawilly, and on the way it crosses from the throne or depressed to the heaved or elevated side of the fall line and passes through a deep gap in the trap ridge of rocky hill back of princeton i believe there is no other atlantic river which runs against the fall line in this way and it is certainly at first sight remarkable that a stream of moderate size like the milston should have held its own against a displacement that sufficed to deflect great rivers like the delaware and the susquehanna from their courses the milston appears to have been a stream of the normal kind in the previous cycle before the tilting of the central plain when it probably ran southeastward with its fellows and carried off its share of waste in the base-levelling process of that time no other supposition than this seems consistent with the general history of the region it was during that cycle that the deep gap was cut in the rocky hill trap ridge then came the deformation of the base-levelled plain the relatively recent elevation and gentle tilting that have permitted the streams to carve it into a past plain and with this the dislocation along the fall line the inclination of the interstream surfaces of the past plain leaves no doubt that it was tilted to the northwest and to this tilting we must ascribe the present direction of the millston flow but why did not the accompanying dislocation on the fall line throw this moderate-sized stream off of its track and divert it southwestward to the delaware at trenton or northeastward to the raritan below new brunswick the effect of the dislocation appears with considerable distinctness along a line from trenton towards amboy in the less altitude of the general surface of the pass plain to the southeast than to the northwest of the line the difference of altitude of the two parts being about a hundred feet the persistence of the milston against such a dislocation seems to require that we should postulate a slower and smaller movement here than that which deflected the delaware the reversed course of the milston cannot be regarded as an example of inversion following a capture of its ancient northern headwaters by a branch of the raritan for in such a case surely the inversion could not have progressed farther south than the hard trap ridge of rocky hill where a stable divide would have been formed nor can the milston be regarded as an original stream first developed and consequent upon the deformation of the central plain for in that case it should consist of two separate parts one part running from the actual head of the river to the fall line 
where it would turn southwest and cross the faint flat divide that separates it from the delaware the other part beginning by princeton north of the fall line and running thence north to the raritan the continuity of these two parts in the actual millstone seems to be explicable only by regarding the river as the upper portion of a single larger river that had reached an old age in the previous cycle it was then broken in two at the head of the present river where the greatest elevation of the central plain occurred and thus had its former headwaters reversed from a southeast to a northwest direction of flow across and against the fall line break by the tilting of the plain only in this way can the deep gap in rocky hill be explained the river is thus consequent on the tilting of the plain and yet antecedent to the accompanying faulting it cannot be called an original stream for it had an ancestor in its very channel it is not a purely consequent stream for it runs against the heaved side of a fault it is not a strictly antecedent stream for it flows in a direction determined by a disturbance that occurred late in its life it is too exceptional a stream to have a generic name we cannot expect to find many others like it the result that has been of the greatest interest to me in these studies is the discovery of well-recorded and peculiar histories in the commonplace small-sized rivers of our atlantic slope we have looked for some years to the west as the region where river history should be illustrated because it was there that the pioneers in this branch of study taught us the lessons on which our further work must depend but home study as well as distant travel has its rewards and with the progress of good topographic work on this side of the country we confidently await much instruction from a close acquaintance with the curious histories of many of our rivers which we know now only by name harvard college january eighteen ninety supplementary note professor albrecht pengt of vienna has published a valuable essay on die bildung der durchbruchsthaler verein zur verbreitung naturwissenschaftlicher kenntnisse in wien eighteen eighty eight from which the following historical notes are taken to illustrate the gradual overthrow of the fracture theory of cross valleys by the introduction of the idea that rivers can sometimes cut down their beds as fast as the land is uplifted or upfolded beneath them ferdinand romer die jurassische weserkette zeitschrift der deutschen geologischen gesellschaft roman numero nine eighteen fifty seven 581. The deepening of valleys by rivers and streams must keep pace with the gradual elevation of continental masses. The Porta Westphalica has thus been cut by the Weser in the Vien Weser range, in the northeastern part of Westphalia. A similar suggestion was briefly made a little later by Bischoff, to explain the gorge of the Rhine below Bingen. Lehrbuch der chemisch und physikalisch geologie zweite Ausflage, roman numeral one three seventy four three eighty two and again independently for the same river by drucker zeitschrift der gesellschaft für erdkunde berlin roman numeral five eighteen seventy one eighty three
Gumbel explained the course of the Altmühl, a branch of the Danube which crosses the Frankish Jura in northwestern Bavaria, by supposing its course was defined before and maintained during the deformation of the range. Bavaria, Landes und Volkskunde des Königsreichs Bayern, eighteen sixty-five, Roman numeral three, seven fifty-six. Medlicott recognized that many streams flowing from the inner Himalaya are older than the outer ranges, and showed reason for believing that they held their places while the outer ranges were tilted up. Memoir of the Geologic Survey India, Roman numeral three, eighteen sixty five, six, one twenty two, one twenty seven, one fifty seven, one sixty three. A little later he applied the same explanation to some alpine rivers. The Alps and the Himalayas, a geological comparison. Quarterly Journal of the Geological Society of London, Roman numeral fourteen. 1868-47-52. Wynne explains the Indus and adjacent rivers as of greater age than the elevation of the Salt Range in northwestern India. Memoirs of the Geologic Survey India, Roman numeral 11, 1875, Roman numeral 14, 1878. Rudemeyer recognized the possibility of uprising ranges being cut down by transverse rivers, but regarded the occurrence as a rare one, thinking that lakes would generally appear behind such a growing barrier. He emphasized the idea that erosion works upstream, which Lowell has developed farther. Uberthal und Siebeldung, Basel, 1869, Zweite Ausflage, 1874. Tietze regarded the persistence of rivers across growing ranges as the rule rather than the exception. Die Bildung von Krechfallern Jahrbuch der Kaiserlich Königlichen Geologische Reichsanstalt, 1878-581 Hayden was perhaps the first to point out in this country the antecedent origin of certain headwaters of the Missouri in Montana, where the mountain ranges are frequently cut across by deep canyons. American Journal of Science, Roman numeral 33, 1862, 305, Hayden's 6th Report, 1872, 1873, Reference may be made also to White, Hayden's 10th Report, 1876, 1878, 52. Peel, Idem, one sixty seven Bachelor, Idem, three seventy two. General discussion of valley making is given by Green, Geology for Students and General Readers, London, eighteen seventy six Hartung, Zeitschrift der Gesellschaft für Erdkunde, Berlin, eighteen seventy eight, three o eight. In spite of the early date of some of these essays, the idea of the antecedent origin of rivers did not gain general recognition and acceptance till it was strongly stated by Powell. End of section 10